episode 12. In the middle of the table, Mrs. Weasley was arguing with Bill about his earring, which seemed to be a recent acquisition. With a horrible great thang on it, really, Bill. What do they say at the bank? Mum, no one at the bank gives a damn how I dress as long as I bring home plenty of treasure, said Bill patiently. And your hair's getting silly, dear, said Mrs. Weasley, fingering her wand lovingly. I wish you'd let me give it a trim. I like it, said Jimmy, who was sitting beside Bill. You're so old-fashioned, Mum. Anyway, it's nowhere near as long as Professor Dumbledore's. Next to Mrs. Weasley, Fred, George, and Charlie were all talking spiritedly about the World Cup. It's got to be Ireland, said Charlie thickly through a mouthful of potato. They flattened Peru in the semifinals. Well, Gary, you've got Victor Crumb, though, said Fred. Crumb's one decent player. Ireland have got seven, said Charlie shortly. I wish England had got through, though. That was embarrassing, that was. What happened, said Harry eagerly, regretting more than ever his isolation from the wizarding world when he was stuck in Privet Drive. Harry was passionate about Quidditch. He had played a seeker on the Gryffindor House Quidditch team ever since his first year at Hogwarts and owned a Firebolt, one of the best racing brooms in the world. Went down to Transylvania, 390 to 10, said Charlie gloomily. Shocking performance. And Wales lost to Uganda, and Scotland were slaughtered by Luxembourg. Mr. Weasley conjured up candles to light the darkening garden before they had their dessert. Homemade strawberry ice cream. And by the time they had finished, moths were fluttering low over the table, and the warm air was perfumed with the smells of grass and honeysuckle. Harry was feeling extremely well-fed and at peace with the world as he watched several gnomes sprinting through the rose bushes laughing madly and closely pursued by Crookshanks. Ron looked carefully up the table to check that the rest of the family were all busy talking. Then he said very quietly to Harry, So, have you heard from Sirius lately? Hermione looked around, listening closely. Yeah, said Harry softly, twice. He sounds okay. I wrote to him the day before yesterday. He might write back while I'm here. He suddenly remembered the reason he had written to Sirius and for a moment was on the verge of telling Ron and Hermione about his scar hurting again and about the dream which had awoken him. But he really didn't want to worry them just now, not when he himself was feeling so happy and peaceful. Look at the time, Mrs. Weasley said suddenly, checking her wristwatch. You really should be in bed, the whole lot of you. You'll be up at the crack of dawn to get to the cup. Harry, if you leave your school list out, I'll get your things for you tomorrow in Diagon Alley. I'm getting everyone else's. There might not be time after the World Cup. The match went on for five days last time. Wow, hope it does this time, said Harry enthusiastically. Well, I certainly don't, said Percy sanctimoniously. I shudder to think what the state of my entry would be if I was away from work for five days. Yeah, 
Someone might slip dragon dung in it again, eh, Fers? said Fred. That was a sample of fertilizer from Norway, said Percy, getting very red in the face. It was nothing personal. It was, Fred whispered to Harry as they got up from the table. We sent it. Chapter 6 The Port Key Harry felt as though he had barely laid down to sleep in Ron's room when he was being shaken awake by Mrs. Weasley. Time to go, Harry dear, she whispered, moving away to wake Ron. Harry felt around for his glasses, put them on and sat up. It was still dark outside. Ron muttered indistinctly as his mother roused him. At the foot of Harry's mattress, he saw two large, disheveled shapes emerging from tangles of blankets. Time already, said Fred groggily. They dressed in silence, too sleepy to talk. Then, yawning and stretching, the four of them headed downstairs into the kitchen. Mrs. Weasley was stirring the contents of a large pot on the stove, while Mr. Weasley was sitting at the table, checking a sheaf of large parchment tickets. He looked up as the boys entered and spread his arms so they could see his clothes more clearly. He was wearing what appeared to be a golfing sweater and a very old pair of jeans, slightly too big for him, and held up with a thick leather belt. What do you think? he asked anxiously. We're supposed to be incognito. Do I look like a muggle, Harry? Yeah, said Harry, smiling. Very good. Where Bill and Charlie and Percy, said George, failing to stifle a huge yawn. Well, they're aberrating, aren't they, said Mrs. Weasley, heaving the large pot over to the table and starting to ladle porridge into bowls so they can have a bit of a lie-in. Harry knew that aberrating was very difficult. It meant disappearing from one place and reappearing almost instantly in another. So they're still in bed, said Fred grumpily, pulling his bowl of porridge toward him. Why can't we apparate too? Because you're not of age and you haven't got your test, snapped Mrs. Weasley. And where have those girls got to? She bustled out of the kitchen and they heard her climbing the stairs. You have to pass a test to apparate, Harry asked. Oh, yes, said Mr. Weasley, tucking the tickets safely into the back pocket of his jeans. The Department of Magical Transportation had to fine a couple of people the other day for apparating without a license. It's not easy, apparition, and when it's not done properly, it can lead to nasty complications. This pair I'm talking about went and splinched themselves. Everyone around the table except Harry winced. Uh, splinched? said Harry. They left half of themselves behind, said Mr. Weasley, now spooning large amounts of treacle onto his porridge. So, of course, they were stuck, couldn't move either way, had to wait for the accidental magical reversal squad to sort them out. That's a fair old bit of paperwork, I can tell you, what with the muggles who spotted the body parts they left behind. Harry had a sudden vision of a pair of legs and an eyeball lying abandoned on the pavement of Privet Drive. Were they okay? he asked, startled. Oh, yes, said Mr. Weasley matter-of-factly. But they got a heavy fine, and I don't think they'll be trying it again in a hurry. You don't mess around with apparition. There are plenty of adult wizards who don't bother with it. Prefer brooms. 
slower, but safer. But Bill and Charlie and Percy can all do it? Charlie had to take the test twice, said Fred, grinning. He failed first time, apparated five miles south of where he meant to, right on top of some poor old deer doing a shopping, remember? Yes, well, he passed the second time, said Mrs. Weasley, marching back into the kitchen amid hearty snickers. Percy only passed two weeks ago, said George. He's been apparating downstairs every morning since, just to prove he can. There were footsteps down the passageway, and Hermione and Ginny came into the kitchen, both looking pale and drowsy. Why do we have to be up so early, Ginny said, rubbing her eyes and sitting down at the table. Well, we've got a bit of a walk, said Mr. Weasley. Walk, said Harry. What, are we walking to the World Cup? No, no, that's miles away, said Mr. Weasley, smiling. We only need to walk a short way. It's just that it's very difficult for a large number of wizards to congregate without attracting muggle attention. We have to be very careful about how we travel at the best of times, and on a huge occasion like the Quidditch World Cup. George! said Mrs. Weasley sharply, and they all jumped. What? said George in an innocent tone that deceived nobody. What's that in your pocket? Nothing. Don't you lie to me! Mrs. Weasley pointed her wand at George's pocket and said, Accio! Several small, brightly colored objects zoomed out of George's pocket. He made a grab for them, but missed, and they sped right into Mrs. Weasley's outstretched hand. We told you to destroy them, said Mrs. Weasley furiously, holding up what were unmistakably more tongue toffees. We told you to get rid of the lot! Empty your pockets. Go on, both of you. 